Still sipping my tie, sitting courtside, Nicks and Nets give me high five. I be spiked out, I could trip a referee. Tell by my attitude that I most definitely from. Gentlemen, welcome back into the 526 Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hollihan, back here on this Wednesday evening where St. John's defeats the Sacred Heart Pioneers 85-50 to in a game that, at tip, St. John's was favored at 22.5. Earlier I looked, it was 21. Um, a just obliteration by St. John's over Sacred Heart um, as one fan described it as a stress-free game and it was exactly just that and I mean a game that listen you need to win and St. John's did that and they did a little bit more they dominated I mean they you know they started off maybe a little slow um and you know at the media timeout uh they were up by just three but um that would quickly balloon into St. John's going on a uh big time run um and they would not look back uh you know um Sacred Heart had their moments they managed to cut it to five at one point but then Dennis Jenkins hit some uh, threes, and uh, they really started pouring it on. Um, I mean, I thought that uh, everyone tonight really shined. Joel Soriano had a great game, um, so we'll talk about him. And, uh, you know, but just on the game itself and talking about, you know, the ability to put these teams away early like St. John's has so far this season. When you look at, you know, Stony Brook, I think that score at the end was um, a little bit closer than the game indicated and how many points St. John's gave up. Um, You look at the uh, Holy Cross game and then tonight, you know, and and Sacred Heart, I mean, not a very, uh, a low major team. And when I say that, I don't mean you know, that Sacred Heart is anything to necessarily scoff at in terms of, you know, them being uh, like a, you know, this is just off the top of my head, like a Delaware State or a Mississippi Valley State. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure Sacred Heart is the top of their uh, conference, if I'm not wrong in assuming that. At least the other day when I checked, they were on top in the Northeast. I think they've actually gone down now I'm seeing fourth I don't know if that's after tonight but regardless um you know I I knew that they were playing some decent basketball for them and this was a game where St. John's needed to not get into any type of issues early and not have any um you know lackadaisical play and and turning the ball over like we've seen them do now they did turn the ball over quite a bit but I think um you know some of that you know, was uh, when you had your second guys in because Patino started giving guys more minutes in the first half. I mean, you know, you really start to see the bench come in, I think, a little bit earlier than 
you know, you would expect in, in a game that you weren't facing a sacred heart, you know, um, so, but it is important to get guys, you know, a lot of minutes, um, and I think that, you know, that tonight was a good opportunity for them to do just that, but St. John's, I mean, just talking about them, uh, you know, the starters, I think, and in the first half specifically, Joel Soriano, 12 points, 9 boards, I mean, you knew from a height and a physical standpoint, him and Chris Ledlam were going to have their way on the boards. Dennis Jenkins even had seven rebounds on the game. Sacred Heart was simply just, it was obvious the um, difference in speeds compared to, you know, St. John's and Sacred Heart, where you could see Sacred Heart being a little bit lackadaisical and St. John's the second that ball knocked off the rim, they were reacting like that. So um, great hustle by Jenkins. Again, I thought he did a great job. Um, and I said, you know, he, they had all these turnovers. He counted for just one um, in, in the first half when the game was competitive. But uh, he actually had two on the night. But a, a great job by him. I mean, I think that's something we're seeing him, you know, really start to to cut down on, which is big. I mean, you know, it's um, it's definitely tough. You know, and I know that, again, this is Sacred Heart, but I think we've started to see this consistently, you know, dating back to, I think even you could say the Dayton game. Um, He's definitely done a better job, and I think that goes to coaching as well, where they've identified, you know, some of the problems, and they fixed them. So a good job uh, where that's regarded. Jenkins also had three assists in the first half, shot four for 11, and then three for six from beyond. Yeah, he was coming away with some big three-point shooting I I really think I mean he had he had a good stroke against Stony Brook to a Karnaseka maybe he you know happens to just like shooting uh at Karnaseka I don't know Jordan Dingle gave you 12 points in the first half um you know five for nine from the field two for six from beyond really seeing him start to become more comfortable St. John shot 44 percent from beyond in the first half and 45 percent from the field they got open looks they knocked them down. They were hustling defensively. Um, I already talked about the rebounds, but they had eight steals and then uh, seven points off turnovers. So that's huge. Now for the second half, um, unfortunately, I guess uh, the stat broadcast stopped um, displaying the statistics because it's time stamped four eleven. St. John 76, Sacred Heart 44. So these are not the official final stats for the second half. But just from what we you know, could see, and it doesn't really matter per se for the starters because Rick uh, Patino had already you know, subbed most of them out, I'm sure, by this point. But you know, Joel Soriano added four more boards and six more points to have 18 points and 13 on the night. I mean, this is a guy that, and he did get his tooth fixed from the West Virginia game, so uh, definitely pleased about that. But, you know, I think this is is a game where he just went out and established his dominance, and, you know, I definitely think that um, for him, and if you were like myself and you were listening to the broadcast, Jay Wright was, you know, kind of talking about what he needs to do better at, and 
Um, I really think, you know, the growth you're seeing from Soriano under Patino is huge. He knocked down another three tonight. He's not just trying to be, you know, a really good post guy and just stand underneath and grab boards. He's really trying to establish himself from the top of the key, from driving, playing on the shoulder a little bit, doing things more offensively um, to try and get guys involved. I definitely think that's something that, you know, Soriano has improved on from the beginning of the year, even because, you know, he did make a leap and it was noticeable from last year to this year. But I think as you're seeing the season progress, you know, from the first month to the second, you're seeing him really progress. You're seeing uh, that and out of some other guys, too, that I'll mention in a bit, which is something we hadn't seen previously. Jordan Dingle. You know, came away with uh, 17 points on the night. Um, excellent job by him. He was 7 for 11 from the field, 3 for 7 from beyond. He's another guy that I think has improved, but I also think it's from a scheme standpoint. I think you're starting to see him become more of a focal point into what they're doing, and I think really a lot of that had to do with maybe him being a little banged up to start off the season. Dennis Jenkins, I'm going to highlight him as well as someone that we're seeing improve as the season goes on. He finished with 13 points um, and was 5 for 12 from the field, 3 for 6 from beyond. He's not, and I think he was a little bit tonight, but I think we're seeing him refine it a little bit more. He's not just shot chucking like we saw before early on in the year. So I think that's really good um, for him. Chris Ledlam, Seven points, one for two from beyond, two for some from the field. Not his night. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Just, I guess he just had one of those days. I mean, it just seemed like maybe a little lackadaisical out there at times um, to start. I, you know, couldn't really get a, put a finger on this um as to why he didn't produce as much he did offer five boards um and i don't want to say like lackadaisical i mean like in terms of the the offense getting him involved a little lackadaisical let me put it that way i don't want it to sound like coming off as if he was being lazy but i definitely think there are some things to improve on you know three turnovers tonight want to cut that cut that down but as long as, you know, they're they're getting the win, that's the most important part, and getting the win by as much as they did is huge, and, you know, he can go back and touch on those things and improve. Um, I definitely liked what we saw a little bit of Brady Dunlop knocking down a tray ball. He had six points, two boards. I definitely think that's someone that, you know, you're going to start to see maybe some more minutes increase as we get, um, you know, further and further along into the season. Nahim Aleen, uh, just five points in 21 minutes, one for three from beyond, two for six from the field. He wasn't as much of a factor, but, you know, I think that a lot of what you're seeing out of him is more crunch time moments. Um, definitely think, you know, if he can, if they can run some things where he can get the ball from beyond would be huge. So I think from that standpoint, that's where... St. John's needs to be in uh, in getting the Hemaline, uh going a little bit more. 
But, I mean, it's tough to really nitpick. I don't really want to sit here and nitpick and complain. You want 85 to 50. I mean, uh, Nico Gallette, who they were raving about um, before the game, you held him in check, you know, 13 points from him. Sacred Heart, uh, they could only go nine deep, and you knew that that was going to be an advantage for St. John's as well, just how deep they're able to to play. Um, Zuby Ejafor, I also want to mention him. He had a good night, six boards, five points, one for two from the field. Teresa Traore, five points. I noticed early on in the game in the first half, he had an opportunity for a putback dunk, and he passed it up, and I, I can't remember... Um, I think it was to Soriano and he got fouled. That's right. And he went to the line and, and shot too. But, uh, I was like, dude, just go up. And I mean, he's in the dunker spot, like just go up and, you know, worst he gets fouled. But then later on in the game, they must have gotten on him about being aggressive because then he pulls up with a tray ball, um, or not pulls up, but he ends up shooting and hitting a tray ball. I don't know if he even has made a single three pointer in his career, but he did that uh, tonight. So a great job by Dresa Treore. Pleased that, you know, how Rick Patino is using him. I mean, he's coming off the bench. He's getting good minutes. Um, and in different games, I mean, I think he's like eighth, ninth off the bench. And this was a guy that I kind of thought, okay, maybe he'd get playing time and kind of, you know, against teams for example like a sacred heart but you know he ends up um you know getting more and more minutes in bigger in bigger games we've seen thus far and I think that's that's huge he comes off and provides kind of a spark there so you know happy where where uh, where he's at happy where you know the rotations are at definitely and uh, I'm excited to see you know what more this season has to offer as we move forward into this thing six and two overall on a four-game win streak, teams playing better from you know where they were against Michigan, uh, against Dayton, and now you turn the page um, to the uh, NABC Brooklyn Showcase against Boston College this Sunday at the Barclays Center. 4.30 tip, um, definitely a game that I think a lot of people are excited to see. I know I, for one, am... Um, I mean, I think it's anytime you get to play at a different, you know, at a, at a neutral site for me, that's, I mean, quote unquote neutral site. We are still in New York, but it's very intriguing when you see St. John's play. I mean, when, when it's not just, and I don't want to downplay the garden at all, but we see them play at the garden, you know, but when you get to go to a Charleston classic or a UBS, you know, it's just fun to see St. John's get to move around and, and I'm excited to see you know, then back at the Barclays Center where they won the Empire Classic last year. But that while that felt like the real height of this season, we know that there's more work to be done now. And I think that's a big difference between, you know, last year and this year where we're at. I feel like you see St. John's continue to improve um, and hopefully will still continue to improve throughout the season. But yeah, Boston College, I mean, this is not a team that, is really mu there's not much to really talk about with Boston College at this point. Um, they are six and three. They've won some, you know, games obviously throughout the season. Uh, they've 
managed to they lost to NC State. They won recently um, the other night last night actually against Central Connecticut. They'll be playing Holy Cross on Friday, and then they head to Barclays Center. I, I mean they. Lost to NC State. NC State isn't necessarily anything to write home about. Lost to Loyola Chicago. Lost by 12 to Colorado State. Now, the one thing about Boston College is I think you have to, you know, really notice is they can score. Um, This is a team that uh, can score, but I don't think they defend all that great. Um, So that's definitely something for St. John's. You have to. Note, they're led by um, Quentin Post, who's averaging 20 points so far throughout the season with a three-point percentage of uh, 48.5, 53.1 from the field. So definitely someone that St. John's is going to have to lock in and defend. Um, But then throughout the rest of their team, I mean, you know, there's not a ton to really get to – you know, to, to really point out and, and notice that much, but definitely, you know, it's, it's a game where you can't take them lightly. So while I'm sitting here, you know, saying this, it's, it's still a division one opponent. It's still a power six opponent in a multi-bid conference. And it's a team that, you know, like I said, you don't want to end up like, you know, some other teams we've seen this year and get upset. I mean, look at Xavier, and look at Villanova, and you know you, you don't want to end up like those teams. And talking about the Big East, there have been a lot of buzz, and I w- wanted to get into this at some point. There's been a lot of buzz recently about you know how the Big East has been playing thus far. Has it been underwhelming? I would say so, for sure. But I listened to um, David Baroff's podcast previewing the season with John Fanna. And Xavier, while well, the Delaware loss surprised me um and i you know i i i produced games for them men's basketball games so i had just seen them lose i just saw them lose by a point to ohio in a game that they were controlling at the half on saturday to see them go and beat xavier and put up 87 on the musketeers was something i was completely taken back from um and shocked to say the least. So I think, you know, when I listened to that and I remembered in my head, like, okay, that preview podcast, I knew that, you know, Xavier's problems were, they were not a big team. They could, you know, teams early on probably would be able to bully them inside. Like John Fanna was talking about. I thought Xavier would get off to a slow start, but I thought eventually it was Sean Miller's coaching. They'll come on. So I'm not writing off the Musketeers just yet because I know it's a long season. We still got a ways to go. But, I mean, that is that is quite, you know, jaw-dropping. And the other team, obviously, is Villanova, right? Like, this is a team that I was expecting to be a March hopeful. But when I saw them win the battle for Atlantis, handle Texas Tech win close against UNC, and then just obliterate Memphis. I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong about Villanova. But then to see them lose to St. Joe's, which is not, I mean, St. Joe's is not a team, I think, to take lightly at all, but it looked like Villanova did. And with Villanova's talent, they should be able to uh, beat 
beat that St. Joe's team. Now, whether they were going to cover their 12-point spread, I don't know. But they definitely should have won that game. And then to lose to Drexel, of all teams, that's embarrassing. That leads me to believe Kyle Neptune cannot get his guys to play. uh, Or he can get guys to play up in games, up to talent, but he can't get them to uh, dominate against teams lesser than them or just beat teams lesser than them, or even play to the standard that they need to be playing at with their talent. That's where I'm at with Villanova right now. Um, But, you know, aside from, and I think someone said it yesterday, aside from the big three with Creighton, UConn, and Marquette, there's a lot of question marks in the Big East. I mean, St. John's right now, 6-2, and but, you know, the losses to Michigan and Dayton really stand out. Um, I mean, Seton Hall, I don't think we've seen them really get a solid win yet or even a solid stretch going. Providence is intriguing. Um, And Georgetown is still, you know, they're still trying to build stuff. Butler's been a surprise. I'll say that. Thad Mata is doing a great job right now, Butler, uh, getting them off to a solid start. And former St. John's player, Posh Alexander, is doing a great job. Butler and St. John's. And Villanova, I think you can say, are kind of that middle pack team. After you get past the big three there, um, you can put them. And and actually, I would say Providence as well. Um, And I say that, and I say Villanova because they win the battle for Atlantis. That still holds a lot on their resume. Just how good they are, I don't know. Because I thought we had them figured out, um, at least at this point. But I was wrong. The one thing I can figure out is Kyle Neptune is struggling right now as a head coach of the Villanova Wildcats. Following up Jay Wright was was uh, maybe not the best move. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think you know that's where I'm at with the Big East. And then DePaul is unfortunately where DePaul is at. And like I said, Xavier, I mean, it's it's weird. Last year, Xavier looked so good, and right now it's, oof, I don't know. But uh, they're a question mark and still holding out on them. But anyways, your Johnnies are 6-2. and two. They will be looking to continue this win streak on Sunday, like I said, as they take on Boston College at the Barclays Center. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in again. We'll be back on Sunday recapping that game. And, um, you know, we'll be hopefully talking about a fifth straight win. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And as always, I'll talk to you next if time. If I can make it there, I'll make it.